guys, welcome to Wi-Fi Matters. One thing I've been really into lately has been reading autobiographies. Just this past summer, I've read five autobiographies, I want to say. I really, really enjoyed Tina Fey's autobiography, Bossy Pants, and also Open by Andre Agassi. And I'm currently reading Billie Jean King's autobiography called All In. Here's a little fun fact. I actually met Billie Jean King when I was eight. I want to say at a tennis fundraiser event. And that was very cool. But back then I had no idea she was so much more than just an amazing tennis player. She's won 39 Grand Slam singles titles across singles, doubles, and mixed doubles, which is an amazing accomplishment. But yeah, Billie Jean King has been a total pioneer off the court for the advancement of women's tennis because without her efforts, there would be no Steffi Graf, Serena, or Osaka. And in general, she's been a huge advocate for women's equal rights across the sports industry. So today I was inspired to talk about one of Billie Jean King's primary focuses, which was equal pay. So I wanted to talk about the gender pay gap in sports, specifically focusing on tennis, my favorite sport, and also talk about how the pay gap pans out in soccer, because this has been in the news a lot lately. So tennis is a very interesting sport when discussing equal pay, because we see these lists, such as Forbes magazine's highest paid female athletes in the world list. They started in 1990, and the top spot since 1990 has always been occupied by a tennis player. So this got me thinking, maybe I should have pursued the professional tennis path, but that's a story for another time. But why is this the case? Why has the top spot always been a female tennis player? This is because tennis as a whole, apart from soccer, is probably one of the most marketable sports in the world. I know this might seem like a very broad and bold statement to make, especially for some of you tennis haters out there, but this makes sense because if you take a look at tennis, it's a global sport. You know, people all across the world from Melbourne, Australia, to Indian Wells, California, are tennis fans. And tennis is played throughout the year. There's practically no break in any tournament. Maybe in December, there's like not many tournaments. But for the rest of the 11 months of the year, there is a pretty big tournament happening across the world. So it garners a lot of attention and a lot of people can go visit tournament or go to tournaments and see their favorite players play. And lastly, tennis is a perfect sport for endorsement deals because there's no big teams and there's no team salary or contract or TV deals are not a huge part of a tennis player's um, money. It's a, a lot of it comes from endorsements because basically take any tennis player with like decent to good results they become a walking billboard for a company whenever they step onto the court like it was a really big deal in the tennis community it was a really big deal when Roger Federer who was endorsed by Uniqlo by Nike sorry throughout the majority of his professional career changed to Uniqlo because Uniqlo offered him so much money and then when I went into Uniqlo stores I'd see this big poster of Roger Federer Ever since he started wearing Uniqlo, he's kind of lost a lot of his matches. So, because I'm very superstitious, I wonder maybe he should switch back to Nike. But, yeah, it's a really big deal because Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, Serena Williams, 
and so many more big names that maybe aren't aren't as popular in the states but very popular in Europe or Asia are walking billboards for many companies and when looking at tennis players on the WTA, which is the women's tour, many major tournaments are held in the same facilities. So, for example, at Wimbledon, there's no separate tournament, and there's no separate facility, and it's not at a separate time of the year. Because if you look at the NBA Finals, there's, there's, the NBA Finals has their own finals, and men's basketball players, and there's the WNBA Finals, and that's completely different time and a different event. And imagine if the two finals came together, there'd be so much more viewership for the women's team teams, which I think would be pretty cool. But yeah, at Wimbledon, you get to see Rafa play, and you also get to see who's a good... Angelique Kerber play, you know? So I think it's... I think definitely because events are held in the same location, it helps the women's tour get a lot of viewership. In terms of pay equality, without Billie Jean King's efforts, the picture would have looked, would look scarily different. Tennis has come a long, long way. Back in the 1970s, according to a CBC Sports article, which I'm going to link in the episode description, some tournaments paid women a tenth of what men earned. So King, who is a fantastic problem solver, led a team of nine women and formed the WTA, the Women's Tennis Association, which is still the governing body of women's tennis today. The most progress for pay equality in tennis is that in the Grand Slams, which are Australian Open, French Open, Wimbledon, and the US Open. Think of them as like four World Cups for tennis. And men and women here in these tournaments get the same amount of money. And this is really great progress. There are definitely still a lot of issues when it comes to tournaments that are not held in the same venue and at the lower level tournaments. But when comparing tennis pay equality with soccer, which is the world's most popular sport, tennis 100% has gotten the upper hand thanks to years and years of advocacy from King and Serena and Venus Williams. One thing that might help lower level tournaments get more tr- um have get prize money for both men and women is perhaps having Serena Williams or Venus Williams or King or even Chrissy Ever buy the tournament and that might help a lot prize money that's that's equal for both men and women but that's a little bit out there and I don't know if that would happen but now let's look at soccer here in the United States Back in 2020, U.S. women's soccer star Megan Rapinoe, who's been at the forefront of the fight for equal pay, said, The amount of money that the women's team's players have could possibly earn in our contract compared to the amount of money that the men could possibly earn in their contract is very different. We've been very successful. The woman, Basically, she's saying the women's national team has been extremely successful, but they get paid about the same dollar-for-dollar dollar amount as the men's team, and that's sort of the heart of pay inequity and gender discrimination. So, back in May, after years and years of hard work and a couple lawsuits, the U.S. Soccer Federation announced in their collective bargaining agreement that the men's and women's national teams would get equally paid, and on the larger stages too, such as at the FIFA World Cup. 
The U.S. Soccer Federation is the first federation in the world to equalize World Cup money, so this is huge. Each team under the collective bargaining agreements has identical economic terms, and both the men's and the women's teams now will have a vested interest in the other team. This is kind of like how in tennis at the major tournaments, which are home to both the ATP, which is the men's tour, and the WTA, the women's tour. And there's in these tournaments, there's a broader sense of community. This is a very huge step forward for soccer here in the United States. Now, hopefully, more girls who have ha- who have the ability to go professional can actually follow this path because there will be a financial safety net for them in a prof- in the professional soccer industry. The U.S. Soccer Federation hopes that the changes that they're making can actually become the new standard and will inspire change in other countries where there is still a pay gap. Gender pay gaps are evident across all industries, but it was really fun for me to learn more about it in the sports industry, and I hope you guys learned something too. Sports is a very complicated industry because there are so many different factors that affect how much a man and a woman athlete get paid, whether it be energy expenditure, popularity of the sport, is it truly equal pay for equal work? And that's been a huge question in tennis, especially because in some tournaments, men have to play best of five sets, whereas women have to play best of three sets. And a lot of male tennis players have said, we're spending way more energy and we're working more uh, than women. So this, this legitimizes why we get paid more. So that's a interesting question to tackle. It definitely tends to get a little tricky navigating these waters, but for now, it's an important thing to have this change in the U.S. Soccer Federation. So, thanks for listening, and I can't wait to talk to you next time.